Hey, friends. Raise your hand if the recent changes to Instagram are making you a little crazy. It seems like every time I open up my favorite app, there's a new feature or something's been changed or moved around. So last week, amid trying to figure out how Instagram works now and watching funny reels and stories about favorite Thanksgiving side dishes, I came across a post on Instagram that cut kind of deep. This post by Dr. Kelly Vincent, a licensed clinical psychologist based in Encinitas, California, introduced me to five types of imposter syndrome that I didn't even know existed. I've definitely experienced imposter syndrome at different points in my life, but for the most part, I feel like I've had a pretty good handle on it lately. But what I didn't realize is that imposter syndrome can show up in a number of different ways. This week, I'm celebrating the one-year anniversary of launching It's About Time. That's right, on December 2nd, 2019, I pressed publish and It's About Time's first five episodes were released into the world. (laughs) I'm super excited about it and honestly really proud to have taken something like this from an idea to a reality and then grow it to what it's become a year later. So in the last year, I've published 57 episodes and three bonus episodes. I've interviewed 26 remarkable women to learn how they approach work, life, and balance, and shared my best tips for time management and productivity in 29 solo shows, and spent more than 37 hours behind my hand-me-down mic recording episodes. And yes, a year later, I'm still using that same mic that my friend Jacob is letting me borrow. Thanks again, Jacob. And yet, despite all of those numbers and the downloads and the reviews and the ratings and the well wishes and the fans and the friends... I still struggle with a certain type of imposter syndrome at times. And if there's one thing I've learned in the past year's worth of episodes of talking with y'all, it's that I'm not alone and we're not alone in our struggles. So welcome to episode 57 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode, I'm sure you can guess, is all about imposter syndrome. So today, I'll cover exactly what imposter syndrome is, plus five different types of imposter syndrome, so you can put a more specific name to the feelings you're having. By the way, learning these five types is what totally blew me away because one of them really speaks to me, and you'll get to find out which type or types speak to you too. And then finally, I'll share five ways to manage imposter syndrome whenever you feel it start to creep in. Studies have shown that 70% of people will experience at least one episode of imposter syndrome in their lives. So if you've never felt it, good for you but you almost definitely know someone who has. So either way, I encourage you to keep listening for ways to cope and to help others when you know they're feeling it too. 
And because I know that you're probably making the most of your time and listening in the car while you're running errands or you're folding laundry around the house, it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes on everything that's about to come your way in this episode. But don't worry, I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode over in the show notes, plus links to any of the resources I'll mention. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 57. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to click that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I would be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode, like this one going out to Sea Labor 5. Sea Labor 5 was so kind to leave a five-star rating review in iTunes for It's About Time. She writes, an inspiration. Anna, you are an inspiration. After listening to episode 50, so many points you made resonate with me as a solopreneur, boutique owner, and mama of a toddler. One point that sticks with me is how much your life has changed since you launched, yet you're still publishing one episode every single Monday. I've listened to every single one and truly love how you do things your way, cheering you on for the next 50 and beyond. First of all, thank you so incredibly much for your kind words. It means so much to me that you'd let me be a part of your week while you're running your business, helping customers, and chasing a toddler. I seriously started crying whenever I read this review because when you're behind the mic, sometimes it can feel like taking a big guess. Will this be helpful? Will you guys like this episode? So I can't tell how meaningful it is to get this feedback from you. Thank you so, so much for taking time to leave this review. It's definitely fuel to the fire to keep me going for the next 50 episodes and the next year and beyond. All right, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. All right. Imposter syndrome. Yikes. It just sounds rough on all accounts, right? And well, that's because it is. So let's go back to 2015, if you don't mind. I had just started a new job as a public relations account executive at a boutique PR firm in New Orleans. And even though I'd worked in government communications, managing crisis situations on behalf of the Louisiana lieutenant governor, navigating droughts, oil spills, state budget issues, and more, I still didn't feel like I belonged at that firm. Everyone else there had years of agency experience. And on top of that, I had taken a pay cut from my past state government salaries to take this job and make the move to New Orleans. And so as a PR exec, 
I was making about the same as what I made as an executive assistant much earlier in my career. So because of this drop in my salary, I really didn't feel valued and I didn't feel like my experience mattered. I felt like I heard over and over again from my coworkers, you just don't have agency experience. So I really hate to admit this, but here we go. One of my clients flew in from Australia to meet with local elected officials about an upcoming plant opening. With my government relations background, I'd lined up a full day of meetings for him with everyone from state reps, a U.S. senator, mayors, and the parish president. And for my non-Louisiana listeners, just a reminder that parish is what we call our counties. So I knew my boss, the owner of the PR firm, was planning to attend the meeting with the parish president. And I've mentioned to my client that I might stay outside because I didn't want there to be too many people in the meeting. I remember past bosses who were government officials being really annoyed when too many people were in the room for meetings. And honestly, I didn't think that I would be able to contribute in a meaningful way. I felt like I didn't belong in the room and that I didn't deserve a seat at the table. People who made what I made at my salary level in state government just didn't get seats at the table. They sat along the back wall if they were even in the room at all. But that client, his name was Matthew, that client told me, no, Anna. Imagine this in an Australian accent, by the way. I'm not even going to try to fake that. But he said, no, Anna, I need you to be in that meeting. You are our top contact. You've been engaging with all of these elected officials. You understand the landscape, and you've spent years doing this. You don't seem to understand how important you are to this operation and what expertise you bring to the table. We need you in there. I need you in there. So in that moment, I felt both grateful to be recognized, but also totally mortified. I was completely blind to my own worth and expertise and was letting the years of agency experience I had, less than one, and the number on my paycheck define my value. Instead of the years of service I'd given to the state, the experience I've gained along the way, and my accomplishments, like the congressional testimony and speeches I'd written that had earned national media attention. Imposter syndrome? Oh yeah, 100%. So as I mentioned earlier, this episode was inspired by a series of Instagram posts by psychologist Dr. Kelly Vincent. And in these posts, she references the work of Dr. Valerie Young, who has studied imposter syndrome for decades, specifically fraudulent feelings among high achievers. So what exactly is imposter syndrome? Well, if you know, you know, but if you're not sure, imposter syndrome is a struggle to internalize your own successes or a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite your success. Basically, it's feeling not good enough, like you don't belong at the table, or like you're a total fraud, 
even though there's clear evidence, you know, in the form of you having your job or awards or accolades, or just generally being competent. It can take the form of doubting yourself, berating your performance, fear of failing, overachieving, sabotaging your own success, perfectionism, over-preparing to make sure that no one finds out what a fraud you are, denial of your own competence or rejecting praise, and of course, this is not an exhaustive list. Imposter syndrome can look different based on your personality, your background, and your environment. And that's exactly what blew my mind as I started to dig in and learn more about this all-too-common experience. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Imposter syndrome can look different for everyone, and Dr. Valerie Young's research uncovered five different types of imposter syndrome. Now, before I tell you about each one, I want to mention something that Dr. Kelly Vincent mentioned in one of her Instagram posts that showcased these five types. She said that, and I quote, In my opinion, these types are not meant to label or diagnose yourself. Instead, they can be helpful in building awareness of your experience and the underlying belief systems. When it comes to overcoming fraudulent feelings, Dr. Young, the original researcher, highlights the need to uncover your self-limiting beliefs about competency. 
So as I'm sharing each of these five types, instead of thinking, oh, I'm totally this one, or trying to diagnose yourself, instead, you know, try to frame it as, okay, I can bring awareness to this type of behavior when I recognize myself falling into these patterns. All right, are we on the same page? Let's look at the five types of imposter syndrome. I'll share all five and then give you a short description of each. First is the perfectionist. Second is the superhero. Third is the expert. Fourth is the natural genius. And fifth is the soloist. First, the perfectionist. Perfectionists are never satisfied and always feel that their work could be better. Rather than focus on their strengths, they tend to fixate on any flaws or mistakes. This often leads to a great deal of self-pressure and high amounts of anxiety. Next is the superhero. Because these individuals feel inadequate, they feel compelled to push themselves to work as hard as possible. They measure competence based on how many roles they can both juggle and excel in. Falling short in any role evokes shame because they feel like they should be able to handle it. Third, the expert. These individuals are always trying to learn more and are never satisfied with their level of understanding. Even though they are often highly skilled, they underrate their own expertise. Their primary concern is what and how much they know or can do. And even a minor lack of knowledge creates feelings of failure and shame. Fourth is the natural genius. These individuals set excessively lofty goals for themselves and then feel crushed when they don't succeed on their very first try. And finally, the soloist. These people tend to be very individualistic and prefer to work alone. Self-worth often stems from their productivity so they often reject offers of assistance. And they tend to see asking for help as a sign of weakness or incompetence. So what was so interesting to me about learning each of these types is that each of them deals with or attempts to fight back against imposter syndrome in a unique way. So I've typically thought of imposter syndrome as just feelings of inadequacy. But I can look back across the past 10 years and see how imposter syndrome has played out in my life with these different types. In college and my early professional career, I can clearly remember having superhero tendencies, running from one meeting to the next and applying for more and more clubs and committees just to prove that I was good enough. I like to say that I'm a recovering perfectionist, and I try to employ the strategy of defining what good enough or B-minus work looks like, 
a strategy that will sound familiar to any of my time management coaching clients listening in, especially the one about B minus work. But I still struggle with fixating on mistakes instead of letting it go and remembering that perfection in anything is truly impossible. But reading the description of the expert type is what hit the hardest. I mentioned back in episode 50 that I've struggled with the word expert and question what it means to achieve expert status. I mean, what does knowing enough look like? And I see now that was the imposter syndrome talking, questioning the hours I've put in to learn as much as possible about time management, productivity, personality, work-life balance, and business, but still never feeling like it's enough. So what do we do when we feel the feelings of imposter syndrome creeping in? Although there are many different methods to approaching imposter syndrome, I'm going to share five ways that you can manage imposter syndrome and encourage you to follow Dr. Kelly Vincent on Instagram to learn more. First, normalize your feelings. Remember, around 70% of us will experience imposter syndrome at some point. So you are not alone. Second, start attributing your success to you, your hard work, your dedication, your persistence, your education, whatever it took. You weren't just lucky. You weren't just in the right place at the right time. You earned your success. Let yourself own it. Third, Work on developing a healthy response to failure. Let's be honest, failure sucks. No one likes to fail, but it happens. We're just not going to get everything right all the time. The buyer will choose another realtor. You'll lose out on the RFP. You might even get fired, mess up the presentation, or bungle the project. Instead of rehashing your mistakes, and I know we all love to stay up at night reliving that awkward conversation or that moment we fell walking on stage, instead, think about what you'd do differently next time. Or try this. Fourth, recognize and reframe the story. How can you reframe the failure into a lesson or opportunity for growth? How can you recognize when you're displaying the tendencies of one of these five types and reframe or maybe even pivot to a different, healthier behavior? And finally, fifth, remind yourself, I am a work in progress. Y'all, every single one of us is a work in progress. Every day we're learning new things, taking in new experiences and building our personal portfolios of life. It doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been in business, how long you've been in your career, your title, your salary. No one, literally not a single person has everything figured out. 
We are all works in progress. And I don't know about you, but that is just so comforting to me. So the next time you feel yourself slipping into your version of imposter syndrome, I encourage you to try one or more of these five methods for managing those feelings. And remember that repetition is key. This isn't a one and done, set it and forget it fix. Just like anything worthwhile, managing imposter syndrome takes awareness and it takes practice. So to run through those quickly one more time, and you can also find this list in the show notes. First, normalize your feelings. Remember that you are not alone. Second, start attributing the success to you. Give yourself credit where credit is due. Third, work on developing a healthy response to failure. What can you learn from it? Fourth, recognize and reframe the story. And fifth, remind yourself, I am a work in progress. So there you have it. Five types of imposter syndrome and five ways to manage imposter syndrome. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Kelly Vincent for inspiring this episode, and I hope to have her on the show in the future to talk with us a bit more about imposter syndrome and how we can break free from feelings of fraud and inadequacy. This week, over in the It's About Time podcast community, I'll be asking for your thoughts on this episode and would love to know which of the five types resonates the most with you. So be sure to head over to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community to join us and get in on that conversation. And as always, all of the details from today's episode, including a link to Dr. Kelly Vincent's fantastic Instagram profile, can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 57. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you are a work in progress, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.